our very first episode. We'll be discussing our top comic picks for the week, give our regards to Stan the Man Lee, and in honor of Veterans Day, we'll be talking about our favorite comic book vets. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome to Cover B, your brand new comic podcast you should be very excited about. We are so glad you're here. We are so glad to be here. This has been a very long process of just getting to this point, but we are so excited to get started because we're excited to get started with you guys. So thank you for listening. My name is T. I am a spaz for most, I won't say all, because that's a huge commitment, but most things nerd and fandom. And I am the resident thorn in my lovely co-host side, Chris. Hi, I'm Chris. Um, I didn't prepare an intro, but I, <laughs> if I could sum myself up, I am an open-minded cynic. That's relatively accurate. <laughs> I think that's fair. He's got a lot more comic cred than I do, but I've got chutzpah, and I just sort of yell about things that I like and hope someone <laughs> listens at some point, and it's usually him. I, I make him Sometimes listen to me. Sometimes she just screams at a wall. and Only when he actively stops listening. We get escorted out to CVS. It's, it's <laughs> awkward. It's very awkward. Well, they wouldn't talk to me behind the counter. Anyway, that's beside the point. So we're going to get started. Our very first segment is going to be our weekly poll list. This is as of recording time, November 14th, Wednesday, new comic book day. We have done our very best to get as caught up as possible on our poll for this week, just for you guys. Um, but we're going to get started and tell you what we liked, what we're feeling, what we're grooving on. Chris, what are you digging this week? Um... Uncanny X-Men, number one. So the Uncanny X-Men's back uh, with a big-ass, uh, like, $14 and a mortgage issue <laughs> with somewhere near 40,000 pages. It was good. It It's odd. It does a lot of setup. And I always get, you know, admittedly, I always get roped into these Marvel things. Um, and they'll do all this interesting stuff. And then just draw it out, draw it out. So I'm hoping they don't do that. They've got like 10 weeks, I think, that they're planning on doing this. And then they're going to go into Age of X-Man. And, um, but it's cool. It's exciting. It's a lot of really, like, cataclysmic stuff. And a lot of, you know, your favorite characters doing fun stuff. And, you know, they haven't wrapped up Extermination yet. Um, so I'm excited to see where that goes. There has but, been a lot of a lot of hype regarding the new start of the Uncanny X-Men. Yeah, it's 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 a good issue. It's worth picking up if you're an X-Men fan. Um, I originally was reading X-Men Gold, X-Men Blue, and X-Men Red, and then I took that down to just X-Men Red uh, because the other two just started getting too much into that soap opera stuff. Oh no, you know? touchy feelings. Yeah, like Cyclops loves this person because she's redheaded, but also this person because she's redheaded. He's very shallow. But yeah, I, I dropped him because of the drama stuff. And, you know, X Men Red I kept because it was still very action forward. I mean, it has the whole, like, you know, mutants are hated and let's have tears about that. But it, um, which honestly, like, how long can mutants still be hated? You know what I mean? Like, how many times do you got to save the world for people to be like, oh, that one mutant was just a bad guy? Well, there's still racism in America, so I'm going to go. We got a ways to go. Yeah, but we're cool with Germany. Uh, I guess. I guess. I don't know. 
anyway um <laughs> more off-color humor um <laughs> yeah so i really liked uncanny x-men because i think it's going very forward on the action side of the x-men and i really liked that it brought in some of the there's these like new x-men that are still new even though they've been around for years they're still like the freshmen they're like it's like the freaking rugrats of x-men it's like (laughs) when will they grow up um and they seem to seem like they're gonna play a big role so i'm excited to see where that goes awesome what about you what were what were you um feeling well, one that I read that I was really digging was um, this issue, this week's issue of Thor focused. It was kind of a one shot within the overarching story, which is kind of weird. They've been doing that a lot with Thor, and I'm actually really appreciating it because I was very heavily invested in the Mighty Thor. So when Jane Foster stepped down, it took a lot for me to have the motivation to continue reading Thor without her being Thor. So they've done a lot in this run thus far to mix it up and make it, okay, this is present time, but also this is at the end of, you know, time, but also we're going to do this random story about baby Thor. It's super random. But this week's episode or issue was actually about um, him falling in love with Erica the Red, who is this super badass Viking chick he basically landed as a, you know, plot of Loki, as mm-hmm. is to be expected. But he landed at her feet, and instead of, oh, yay, the god of thunder is here to save the day in our battle, it was like, what the hell are you doing here? Get out of here. I got this. I am Erica the Red. I'll need you. I'll need no man. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, I don't need no man either. Jane could have done it. Go away. Go it just, away. it was really, it was nice to kind of have some backstory on Thor to kind of, bring you in and make you more endeared. It almost felt like it was there specifically for those of us that started Thor because of Jane and are now just sort of reading it because we never really stopped. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to kind of give him some depth and some character and more than just, I drink mead and like ladies and tra-la-la, Loki, oh, you scamp. So that was really good. Well, that's a good segue because, um, you know, it's funny you say, like, I like ladies. He's actually hooking up with She-Hulk right now. Did you know that? I did not, but yeah, yeah. he tends They're to like have a type I'm a seeing. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I dig it. Uh, but yeah, Avengers 10 was another one out this week. Also a big old thick issue. Um, As Marvel is wont to do. Does a lot of setup, has a lot of mini stories in the back that kind of cover different things, reveals, um, spoiler alert, Reveals that Blade's coming back into the fray. Um, and Blade's going to be on the Avengers, I guess. Blade is um, awesome. A lot of talk about the star brand. Um, the whole, like, Soviet America Avengers. Or Soviet Russia Avengers. Soviet America Avengers. Um, Too the, soon, man. Yeah, yeah, the Soviet Russia Avengers, whatever they're called, I forget. They, they come into play and... Coulson's back, and Coulson is with the Squadron Supreme, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. Like it, it is a bonkers issue, um, and really worth a read. And I really hope, you know, that it, it goes somewhere. But yeah, that was that was another good issue to pick up this week for sure. Well, my other choice for this week is actually kind of the other side of the spectrum. It's not a Marvel book. We <laughs> are, I will admit, 
We do read some a, DC, but we are a It was a big Marvel. week for Marvel. It, it was. It, it, Marvel had a lot happening this week to the point where, you know, <laughs> at my local shop, we were putting out the books. And at one point, we looked at each other and we were like, does DC have anything? We had like one DC <laughs> book out ready to go on the wall. And we had like 20 something Marvel issues out just ready to roll. It was a big week for Marvel. It Marvel, was a thick Marvel week. Marvel came into November just kicking. <laughs> So. Well, Boom decided to kick in the door as well and provide us with Firefly, with Firefly number right? one. Yeah, did you read that? Yes, I read the new Firefly. I'm always very wary when an IP that I am dedicated to and I love and I am passionate about mm-hmm. decides to start over or start in media res or, you know, do something new and different because I don't want them to mess it up. Because if you mess it up, I'm going to have a lot more hostility than if you just left it alone where it was. Is it is it a prequel? It's, it's a prequel, right? We, I mean, yes and no. It sort oh, okay. of picks up. It's interesting because it sort of picks up in the middle of them doing normal Firefly stuff. It actually it was surprising because the writer did a really good job of making it feel just like another episode of Firefly. Stuff's happening, and mm-hmm. now they're getting hit by a big ship, and oh no, they're being hunted. And what I think they're building up to is kind of establishing a, this is what's happening right now, now let's go look at what happened to Mal and Zoe back in the war to provide context yeah. as to what's going on now. And it's, I think the most impressive thing is that the voicing is true to character. Because sometimes you can overemphasize or overemulate a character to the point where it seems like a cartoon. It doesn't seem mm-hmm. like the characters have actually been represented well. But in this case, they actually did a really good job. It feels natural. It feels quippy, yeah. but not too quippy. Mal doesn't just feel like Southern Han Solo. No, it yeah. actually, like, it feels like Nathan. But they also didn't do the weird uncanny valley thing where you look at the page and you're like why why is he staring at me like that nathan fillion you need to not be why in my does book. this look like a wax figure of nathan yeah Fillion? which yeah. is always super creepy but they actually did a good job it's a lot more um art brush drawn mm-hmm. um styling so it's a lot easier to kind of get involved with but you can hear the characters voices in your head and that's always a really good sign that a book's doing what it's supposed to do yeah i guess the last one i want to talk about is um I guess to preface it, uh, Image has really been going strong with titles that approach social issues from kind of a horrific or fantasy standpoint. Um, Like a worst case scenario. Yeah, it was, I mean, recent memory of the standout is Infidel, which is over now. It's not a new book. It's not the one I'm talking about. But if you haven't read Infidel, what are you doing? It's so good, Stop what you're doing. Go read Infidel. Go get it. It's in trade paperback. If your local comic book shop doesn't have it, get a torch and a pitchfork <laughs> until they do have it. Um, it's literally life-changing. Like, it's really no good. Lie. Great read. It got options, so I'm excited for that. But um, recently out right now, they have Juke Joint, which came out a few weeks ago. The second one actually came out this week. I haven't read it yet, but I'm excited to see where it continues to go. And that deals a lot in, like, uh, you know, violence against women and respect for women and uh, rape issues instead. It even has a trigger warning in the front, which I thought was interesting. Um, That's nice, though. I like that they Bitter that. Root came out, and it's awesome. I really like where it's going. It's got a real Hellboy vibe, Ooh. but it's set in 1920s Harlem, 
and it deals with racial issues. I mean, the last page, I won't spoil it like I spoiled everything that happens in Avengers. Um, <laughs> last page is very racially charged. They have a letter in the back that's worth reading um, that talks about how they're taking monsters and like possession and they're doing that in the guise of racism and hate and bigotry and stuff. And I think that's, you know, it's a really cool way of doing it and focusing people's attention on those kind of issues without being like, let's just do a book about people dealing with this. Like, let's do a book, make people root for these characters, and then be like, hey, those people you're rooting for are dealing with what we deal with, you know, dealing with what people deal with in life all the time. It's just in this colorful guise. And I, I'm really excited to see where Bitterroot goes. There's even a cover by Mike Mignola from Hellboy. Nice. Uh, it's got a super Hellboy feel, like all that steampunk guns and chemicals and science and stuff. That's always uh, cool. But then it's got this like jazz feel to it, too, and it's just so good. Really excited. And strong female protagonist for people who are into whoop, that. Whoop. So. I am. I if really? it's got a lady, if it's got a lady on the cover, it's really hard for me to not your, read it. Your entire Thor thing was about strong females, really. I can't help it. I can't help it. I like to see myself represented in my comic books, ladies. I know you feel me. I know you feel me. We feel you, T. Oh yeah, the ladies. <laughs> All right, so we are going to move right along into our next segment, which is the news for the week. Uh, Unfortunately, we can't go through the segment without mentioning the black cloud hanging over the comic yeah. community this week. The man himself, Stan Lee, has passed away on yeah. Monday at the age of 95. I it's I mean it's not funny. It, it's um like we were we've been planning to do this podcast for like months and we've been waiting for the right time and we've been testing sound and like best place to record and then we're like okay, we're going to do it this day. We hammered down the day, and then Monday, Stan Lee passes away. And it's like, oh, fudge. <laughs> like, do we talk about it and try to, like, wait? Like, we're, we're new. This is new. We're not influencers in any way. Do we, like, try to make some sort of poignant statement? Do we just, you know, roll on and not say something about it, and then people judge us for that? So it... it it was a complex moment, but it, it's harsh. It's sad to know that, you know, we won't get any more cameos or any more stuff. And I actually, I was researching Stanley today just because it's what I do. I sit in Wikipedia in my spare time. He's um, not a nerd at all. No, not, not at all. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, God, it's crazy that he was literally working and creating all the way up until the end. And if, if he oh, was yeah. still here, he'd still be creating, he'd oh, still 100%. be working. And that's just nuts. That is nuts to think about. The amount of people, like, you know, we're both literature people. Yeah. And, you know, writers, you hear about famous writers, and they, like, they get to be, like, 65, and they're so, like, drunk or riddled with TB that they're just, like, done. Nah. Done. And you don't think about the creative people that just, like, constantly pump crap out and constantly like have new ideas and he did it he did poetry he did manga he you know dabbled in reality tv and voice acting and you know his cameos like everyone knows him for his cameos now like he's a cultural you know he's icon yeah he's recognizable like kids who don't even know that there's 70s books know who stan lee is kids oh, yeah. who have never picked up a comic book know who stan lee is 
And like, I mean, he's everywhere from movies to video game cameos. I mean, like, that's everywhere. Walt Disney level yeah. of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, that's literally like, I I would argue he's more recognizable than Walt Disney. And I'm gonna get this is shows canceled. We're instantly canceled <laughs> because Disney just bought us and canceled us. Um, but like, think about it. You know, you see a man with the stash and the glasses. And the style, and he's throwing up thwip hands. You know what I mean? Excelsior. Like, Excelsior. It's Stan freaking Lee. You know what I mean? You see a dude that kind of looks like Walt Disney. You might be like, that kind of looks like Walt Disney. But Mickey Mouse is more recognizable than Walt Disney. But Stan Lee is Stan Lee, you know? And I think one of the things that has been so incredible for me this week has been watching all of the fandoms, not just Marvel, not just comic readers, but all of the fandoms kind of rally together in this unified effort to memorialize him and talk about the moments they had and what he meant to them. I mean, I've been sharing on our Facebook and our Twitter some of this incredible art that's being done from huge names in the comic industry to Mm -hmm. people who've literally, Mm -hmm. this this is the first time they've ever been inspired to pick up a pen was because Stanley passed and he meant something to them. I've been loving seeing all these people sharing these horrible pictures of themselves from like different comic cons, but they're posting them because it's their one picture with Stan and by God, I'm going to put it online and show that I love Stan the man and it doesn't matter. I mean, the fact that people, even DC made a tweet that was so sweet and so emotional. I mean, rivalry be damned. We are unified it's as a, a society yeah. in our it's love a, for Stan. It's a community. We all want, you know, at the end of the day, no matter who you make comics for, whose comics you prefer over others, you all want the same thing. You want the hope and imagination that you're filled with when you read about super things or fantasy things or horror things. You know what I mean? Like you all, we all want to create or read about other worlds where things we find interesting or perfect or you know exciting exist and we want to realize like wow like someone thought about this somebody put this onto onto paper and you know we relate to each other in that way like someone if you read a comic and it hits you it hits you hard whatever it might be you have that feeling that someone somewhere connects with you over that thing and you know i'm i'm happy that the only bit of like because sometimes a celebrity passes and you've got, like, all these people coming out and, like, you know, controversy, like, old, unknown controversies drum up and, like, or people argue about, like, what's important and whatnot. And really the only bit of drama was Army Hammer, I think, his name, Army Hammer, the actor. Oh. Yeah, yeah, he, he came out, I, I saw that he came out on Twitter and was judging all the celebrities who have posted like Robert Downey Jr. posted like uh, pictures of them with Stanley. Yeah. And he was like, you're making it about you, man. And it, my thing is, is I saw, you know, all over Reddit, people were like, you know, telling stories about what Marvel and what comics in general and what Stanley means to them. And they would post pictures of them like meeting Stanley at, you know, at a con or something. So that's okay. But when it's a celebrity, suddenly it's a PR move. I don't get it. I yeah. mean, it's it's you got to understand this guy's been around long enough, and these people have been the people doing the Marvel movies. Not only are so lucky to be involved in that universe and have earned it in every way. They've all done a bang up job. Especially Don Cheadle, his role in Iron Man One was great. Um, 
but they, they've all earned it and uh they were excited they were those kids at the convention and stanley comes on set to do his cameo or you know they happen to be lucky enough to have a scene alongside stanley and like that's exciting to them that's giddiness it shows to me what it, it doesn't show that they're trying to make it about them it shows that they have the same passion that the people who are fans of this do yeah you know I and agree. that that's impressive i think you know? it's i think it's rude to call people out because you can actually feel that the celebrities who knew him and worked with him i mean they care like i read a recent article about the director of the fantastic four movie the most recent one from 2015 and he literally came out and said i let stand down and i will never get over that and and to hear that a guy who literally made a movie comes out and says I let stand down, and despite the fact that my movie was, you know, a bomb and all of these things, that's the thing that sticks out to him. Are you kidding me? That isn't publicity. That's genuine emotion. So, you know, before we move on, obviously this is a big, you know, a big thing in the comic community. The loss of Stanley is huge. Um, if you have any Stanley stories, if you're listening to this, share them with us. Share them with us. On our Facebook page, on Twitter, um, at Cover B Podcast, let us know. Let us know, you know, did you meet him? Did he say something funny to you? Did he do something nice for you? Do you have any quotes? Um, what is your favorite Stan Lee cameo? Let us know. Mine, personally, was the... I really liked the one in Thor Ragnarok, but I also really liked the one in Deadpool, where he's the stripper DJ, because I feel like if Marvel didn't work out, that's probably where Stan Lee would have gone. My favorite... <laughs> this is... This is kind of mushy, but my favorite Stanley cameo was from the recent Spider-Man oh, PS4 yeah. game. He is talking to yeah. Mary Jane, and it, it it's just <clears throat> it's so emotional and kind of real. And him talking about how he was always rooting for those two kids, and it kind of kind of stabs you right in the feels. Gets you, gets a little onion going on. <laughs> I'm not I'm not crying. You're crying, and I love that cameo. I think to be one of his last is just awesome mm -hmm. and a great representation so stanley you will be missed you left your mark and your legacy lives on we are pouring one out for you all over our carpet we'll, oh oh we'll, no we'll deal with it later i'll get a towel so um moving on um i wanted to talk about black hammer you know black hammer the yeah dark horse title yeah i uh, haven't read it but i've heard of it i've it heard good got, things yeah it got picked up by legendary Oh, nice. For a movie deal. I am super excited. I actually have only read a minimal bit of Black Hammer. I haven't gone into all the spinoffs and stuff. But it's such a cool concept and so good for Legendary to do. Legendary, you know, has done plenty of superhero stuff. They had their hands in Dark Knight and Watchmen and Observe and Report with Seth Rogen. So lots of superhero fare um, for for uh for legendary well no. that's exciting that'll be a good not even not even a titter <laughs> no. let me write a note no seth rogan jokes okay but yeah it's it's a great concept it's got some kind of like it's got this kind of retro feel to it you know it, the characters are named like golden gale and barb alien and abraham slam so it's got this like abraham slam yeah yeah so it's got this like golden age feel to okay, it okay yeah i'm in um, but it's also like kind of a Twilight Zone story in its own way. They're like stuck in this universe that's also this town. 
and uh, they're like trying to get out, but they're kind of like relegating themselves to accept that they're not getting out and stuff. And Ooh. it um, there's like and you know in addition there's like four spinoff titles I think because there's like Doctor Star, Sherlock Frankenstein, Quantum Age, something else. There was another one. I don't remember. Well, that's well, that's so good that it's, too because it's just cool because yeah, it's it they have a lot to work with. Um, and it's a, it's very much like a human condition piece. I think it would be cool in the, you know, wake of all these like high action, high comedy superhero movies to get a superhero movie that's more about like the toll being a superhero takes on humanity is going to yeah. be really cool. It's now let's see really, if they can really get cool. a good director on it. <clears throat> no, Zach, Zach. Cough, cough, cough. Well, speaking of superhero movies... Mm-hmm. So they announced this week that the Black Widow movie is moving forward. It has a general plot synopsis, and they've started doing casting call descriptions. But, okay, everybody knows. You can probably have already been able to tell for the, you know, few minutes that you have heard me speak that I care about my lady characters. I care about a strong woman. I love seeing it on screen. I love seeing it amply represented. But to me, this feels like too little, too late. It feels like it's going to be forced. It feels like they're doing it because they got told they should do it. Why do you, why do you think that? I am worried that at this point in time, mm-hmm. well, part of the plot synopsis, they claim, I don't know if this is going to change or be changed or whatever, but part of the plot synopsis that, Um, has been developed or revealed is that it's going to take place um, a few years after she left the the Red Room in Soviet Russia and is coming to America and is going to freelance. And she's going to be up against a male villain. And they've talked about how it's going to, in theory, around where they're talking the timeline, that's going to make Black Widow 22 which is a little weird to me. And also they're not going to cover any of her origin stuff because they already covered her origin stuff. And I just don't know. I'm worried that because they've already done all these little bits and pieces of development of her character in all these other movies and wouldn't just pony up and give her her own movie from the beginning, that Mm -hmm. now this movie's not going to be about Black Widow. It's going to be about whoever they end up having as the male villain, a la... I think it's going to be Taskmaster, which is cool. Don't get me wrong. Taskmaster's dope. I am in support of having a movie with Taskmaster. Hashtag Taskmaster movie. Yeah, but like that's going to be the problem is that it's not going to be a Black Widow movie anymore. It's just going to be Black Widow runs around. Mm -hmm. We've got Scarlett Johansson running around in spandex. And also now here's this backstory and this information about this villain and all this. I just feel like it's too little too late. I feel like they're forcing it because they think they're supposed to and if they don't eventually do a black widow movie people are going to be giving them crap forever and so they're like oh well we'll make one it'll sell movie tickets it'll have her being whatever and then it'll be over and i think that's i think that's disrespectful to the character because she's a badass um i think with that character it's better the like little ambiguous kind of snippets of her origin that we've received. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think um, they'd be better served maybe giving her a movie either like shortly before 
she like joined up with shield i mean maybe that's when she's 22 she's like shortly before i don't know but um or like give her a movie set in the now and just make it her trying to deal with her new role as kind of like ex avenger or like avenger captain who isn't like maybe she's not doing as much field stuff or maybe she doesn't really want to be with the avengers anymore i don't know like work in some sort of angle there and make her I, don't, I I just feel like it's going to get bogged down too much on trying to develop what a pre-Shield world and Black Widow were like. You know, I, I, I don't know. I think Taskmaster is going to be great. I'm really excited about that. That makes me exceptionally excited. Um, I love that character and he's underused. My other issue, though, is that why are you giving her a solo movie now when none of the others are even really doing solo movies? Mm-hmm. The last Captain America movie was an Avengers movie because it was Civil War. And even Thor Ragnarok was a buddy movie with him and Hulk. Like, the individual movies aren't individual movies now. So to give her an individual movie now, A, people are going to be pissed when they go and it doesn't have the entire rest of the Avengers in it. I, I just feel like they wasted their opportunity and now they're trying to force it and it's going to be weird. I don't know. I think it'll, I'm hopeful. I, I think it'll still be worth seeing. I don't think they're forcing it. I think they're just finally, you know, kind of getting around to where they can do it. They've had such, like, a plan of building up to a certain point and backtracking to cover her origin just didn't really fit in that picture, I think. I don't know. So. We got a Spider-Man movie, like, two minutes after they got the rights to Spider-Man, so I, don't, I feel like it could have been fit in there. But whatever. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so we have literally not talked about DC at all today. And sorry, DC fans. Um, we do care about DC. We do read it, I promise. Nothing really came out this week that wowed us. And um, DC didn't have a whole lot of news this week that I saw. I mean, the Titans thing is going up. Um, like, all the Titans stuff is happening, and that's kind of cool. Um, but I do have some DC news that I wanted to talk about. What about that DC Universe tweet at Trump? <laughs> oh, snap. What happened? Did you not see it? No, what happened? Okay, let me let me pull up the actual tweet and so people are just doodling along on their on their tweeter machines, you know. Oh, they got hacked, right? Well, that's yeah, that's the story. Is <laughs> like that's the story that they're going with now. Um so yeah, they Big air quotes people. There. Yeah, Trump says something that Trump does, when, you know, as he is wont to do. He's Trumpy tweets. <laughs> um, DC Universe Twitter, which is the Twitter attached to the DC Universe website or app. Um, I know it's an app. Is it a website? Is it a website too, or is it? It's. I know it's an ad. It's they're streaming. It's yeah. They're it's, like comics and thing. TV and movie streaming service. The tweet, if I can find it, yeah, was the only corruption comes from your administration. In all caps, you dumb f word. Oh snap! Now it. So they have come out, and I I think the official statement that I saw floating around was that they got hacked. Now, how does how does that happen? 
Is it, like, did they... <laughs> did DC Universe leave their Twitter up in an Apple store and <laughs> Marvel rolls in and is like, I am butthead on their Facebook and then tweets that at, like... No, how did I just get hacked. I, I, my opinion is that whoever runs it had it uh, like they have their Twitter, they have their Twitter app, and they have like a personal Twitter, and they thought they were on their personal Twitter, and they tweeted it and put it back in their pocket because I think it was up for like a few minutes and then yeah. it got deleted. Um, so I'm thinking that's what happened, and somebody's probably in a lot of trouble for that. But I work in social media marketing, and I tell you right now. That was an intern, because that is a rookie mistake. Well, yeah, that's what everyone's, that everyone's saying. That is super rookie mistake. Yeah, everyone's saying, oh, it was an intern, intern did it. But, like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like in a social media department, because, you know, DC Universe probably doesn't have, like, one social media person. They probably have a few. It could have been anybody, really, you know, that just saw that tweet and wanted to express it and didn't switch their accounts on their Twitter app. But I, I just think the whole hacking thing is funny because if somebody's really going to hack a Twitter. It ain't going to be for that. Why are, they, why are they hacking the, like, you can watch the Titans on this service <laughs> account? I, I don't understand why they're. So it's it's the thought of them, like, leaving their laptop at a Starbucks or something. <laughs> and, like, Robert Kirkman runs in and, like, types out a mean tweet and runs away. Just gives me plentiful joy. You know, people, so. you know, my first instinct was to think intern. But realistically, no offense to all you out there who may be a little older and a little less technologically inclined. But I have known the struggles of the older folk who are on the social media account, but they don't really do it very much, but they get passionate and they go to put on their regular, on their personal, and then they put it on the public of the business because they just, they just don't know. They just, they don't realize, they don't know what they're getting themselves into, and it turns into an experience. It's probably Jeff Johns. <laughs> Jeff Johns just needed an outlet. He wasn't working so hard. He was like, I need to vent. And he just like, went to the first office at dc headquarters he could find and it was that was unlocked <laughs> he like broke in there on a friggin bud light <laughs> bender and was like what's happening in the world of politics oh no and that's what we got tap tap tap, tap 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 yeah clickety click so sorry jeff johns <laughs> i'm outing you to the world we all know now your secret's out yeah <laughs> All right, well, our last segment for the day, we're going to move right along. This week, Monday, Sunday. Sunday was Sunday, Veterans yeah, Day. Sunday observed on Monday by yeah. banks and whatnot. I, I keep thinking it was Monday because I had off Monday. I work mm-hmm. at a financial institution. Whoop, whoop. Awesome. So, anyway, this week we wanted to talk about our favorite veterans, our favorite comic book veterans, those soldiers of the military, in comics, that we are passionate about. Mm-hmm. Who are you sweet on? Well, I feel like it's it's the cliche thing to say Captain America, so I'm not going to. Um, but we do love you, Cap. I, I love Captain America. I think, honestly, if I had... There's a lot of different versions of Captain America that are kind of their own thing. Uh, like, mainstream comic book Captain America is different than, like, Marvel Cinematic Captain America is different than, like, Ultimate Universe Captain America. 
And honestly, I gotta say the ultimate one is my favorite. I, I lo- he's kind of brash and intolerant. Not like into like, like bigoted, intolerant, but he's like, your opinions are different than mine. That bothers me. And um, <laughs> I don't know. I like it. He, he's like that older brother that you have to please. You know what I mean? He's like that. He's like that distant relative that's done a lot more than you. And you're like, I fought a bad guy today, and he's like, cool. I fought the war. And you're like, oh. Um, But anyway, if I had to pick one, I honestly am sweet on Flash Thompson. Um, Ooh, Venom. Well, yeah, favorite Venom. I am sad at what happened to him recently, but apparently he, I guess, pops up to some degree in Venom number eight, which is out this week. I haven't read it yet, so I don't know. He's a Marvel character. So I'm excited to see potentially him coming back, so I I need to read that, but... Yeah, I, I think, you know, he's obviously got problems. He was a bully for a while, but he's got this weird hero worship thing going on and, like, he lost his legs and then got the Venom suit, and I feel like he's always done a really good job. You know, I have military family, so I know kind of what it means to be in the military. I haven't been in the military myself, um, but I, you know, have been around them a lot, and I think Flash really gets that kind of like soldier who's in it for the right reasons kind of vibe across. And that translates over into his time as Venom. He's a little rough and tumble. He's, you know, kind of an anti-hero, but not like Punisher levels. Um, But I I think it's cool to see. It's cool to see him like express that kind of militaristic nobility, that, that kind of, um, you know, soldier of fortune attitude, not soldier, soldier of fortune is like a mercenary. That's not what I meant. (laughs) <laughs> it's not what I mean. Uh, he like you know, you would expect him to get the medal of honor. Like he's he's a really like he's tough and he's a badass, but he's, but he's noble. noble. And you know he is respectful of the chain of command for the most part, and he's respectful of patriotism, and he's respectful of his country and what it stands for, what he stands for. But he's also a badass, and I don't know. I think I think that's really. I think he would probably be my favorite, like, veteran comic book character. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna pull it back. You know, I, I, I'm going to give a shout-out to Carol Danvers Woo. because I love me some Captain Marvel. Air Force. I, you know, she's one of those stories that I appreciate because she started at the very bottom and worked her way up. And now she's a freaking superhero, and she's just she's dope, and I love it. And I love her story. And I think it's cool. But I think my all-time favorite, and here you go, DC fans, giving you some some rep, is Kate Kane, Batwoman. Um, nice. I think what I love about that character is how ballsy it was for DC to create this character. Some backstory on Batwoman. She was in the military, and she actually was unceremoniously removed from the military, she was dishonorably discharged because of the older uh, don't ask, don't tell law. Kate Kane in the comics is a lesbian. And while no one asked and she did not tell, one of her uh, supporting officers walked in on her and someone else and it went up the chain of command and so she was removed from the military. And her whole development as Batwoman has been 
that her life was devoted to being a soldier. Mm-hmm. Her daddy was in the military. She was in the military. She went to West Point. She was top of her class. She was awesome at what she did. And then from some because of something that had nothing to do with her abilities, she was removed and kind of left to flounder. And the stories that have come because of her emotional distress and trying to figure out who she is now that she's not that Kate Kane, she's someone new, she's had to become someone new, have just been so cool. And, you know, I can give or take the most recent Batwoman run, um, not trying to hate on Marguerite Bennett, but I don't necessarily think she's always the best when it comes to more serious writing, but... You know, she definitely has a more um, quippy, more, more, yeah, more levity in her writing yeah. style for sure. Yeah, but. and I feel like when you're writing for Batwoman, it has to have that depth and that darkness, and it needs to be willing to go into scary places because that's what Batwoman does. I mean, Batwoman faced trials and brought forth social discussion that other comics weren't doing. And I think one of the things that's so exciting is that now they are bringing Kate Kane to um, one of the DC Cinematic Universes, the Arrowverse. She's going to be featured on Supergirl. And I am pumped. They've cast Ruby Rose. And she looks... It is the first time. And this has been a big deal for me. I'm a weird purist. I feel like... You know, when I see a comic book character on screen, I would rather that comic book character look like what I'm expecting them to look like. I'm kind of a weirdo fangirl that way. But this has been the absolute first time that I've seen releases of photos on set or preview pictures of characters in their costumes as they're going to be on their show or in their movie. And this was the first time that I went, oh, damn. That's exactly what it's supposed to be. She is exactly what I see in my head. That's basically just walked out of a comic book. And that is thrilling to me. That is huge. I feel like they're really going to do her justice. We're finally in a, you know, day and age and political climate and social climate where they can bring her into the light and it, it can work and she can be done well and people will love her the way I love her. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. Yeah, and it's in the, um, she's going to be in the Elseworlds crossover miniseries, I think. I think it's like the Legends of Tomorrow thing that they did. Yeah. So it's going to be like a mini episode thing where they go to, I don't know, I'm guessing that they go to like an alternate dimension. Because I was reading news that like Barry Allen is going to be a Green Arrow in that. So it's, I don't know. It's weird. I, I need to get caught up on all the DC TV shows, to be honest. I just haven't had those channels in a long time, so because um, I haven't had TV in a long time. But, um, no, that's cool. And I before you know we close this segment out and close this episode out, uh, we can't really finish up, you know, talking about veterans in a superhero scope without covering uh, Punisher Season 1. Oh, yeah. um, John Barenthal's run on Punisher is easily one of the best things Netflix has ever put out. And Definitely. that whole season and its way of approaching, uh, you know, issues like PTSD and, you know, veterans feeling lost when they get home and, you know, the whole concept of 
you know, becoming an adrenaline junkie and, you know, what to do with your time. And it's all very real stuff. And it's all very, uh, very emotional stuff that I've, you know, seen and witnessed through friends and family that they've experienced. And um, it's, it's rough. And it's from talking to people I know that have gone through that, like that episode or those episodes that season. It's just so impressive and such a good representation of the struggles that veterans have to go through that we don't often think about. You know, we think, like, like what, you had, like, a tour in Afghanistan? Like, what? You know? It's so and... pushed under the rug, I feel like, because people, you know, it's always support your troops, but they come home and it's like, oh, you're a war hero. And then, okay, well, you're strong because you're a war hero. But, you know, veterans go through so much when they're away and then they come back and it's so incredibly hard yeah, to reacclimate back into civilian life and i feel like it's not talked about at all there's so many different things that can happen that i think people don't always consider they just think like oh you know certain people get ptsd and ptsd is this way but they don't realize that it can come in many different ways and it can show itself in many different ways and it you know not everybody shows it all the time and there are other things that you know people can uh experience and i you know i don't want to close out with out bringing that up and then leading into saying like if you are a veteran if you're currently enlisted um if you're an officer bravo to you because it's tough and i mean this goes out to other people too like law enforcement first responders like as long as your heart's in the right place because there are definitely people in all these fields that you know legitimately might might not be there for the right reasons and we won't get into that because that gets a little bit too deep and dark but you know if you're a veteran if you're currently enlisted if you're a first responder if you're a you know firefighter you're a policeman if you're any sort of person who's goal in life is to protect people in whatever way you can then you know we're talking about superheroes who were also veterans but that's you you know that's you guys so you're the real life ones so thank thanks. you thank you for that so we do we really want to thank you guys you guys you guys make the real difference i mean like he said it's it's one thing to talk about the superheroes in the pages of a comic book, but, you know, we've got people doing heroic things in our everyday lives, and you don't always get the credit you deserve because you're not on a big flashy screen. Thank you so much for joining us, you guys. I think that went pretty well. Yeah. Not too bad. Good. Not too yeah. shabby for our first episode. We're, we're doing the thing. Aren't you proud, Mom and Dad? Um, <laughs> if you want more Cover B, because you just can't get enough of us. We're so totally rad. Um, follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. Yeah, interact with us. Um, shoot us questions. Shoot us things you want to talk about or want us to answer. At Cover B Podcast. Uh, you can also find me and Chris on our Instagram accounts. We hope you guys have a wonderful week, and we want you to make sure that you tune in next week for the next episode of Cover B. Thanks, guys. Bye.